Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones, and this is Free For All Friday. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah. Not too bad. Good, good. Well, what are we doing today? I mean, How are you doing over there? This is a, this is a Thursday for us, and mm-hmm. we kind of don't know exactly what we're going to do on this episode, so could be absolutely amazing, or this could be the worst episode ever. <laughs> you know? We've got a long ways to go to be the worst episode ever. Um, I, do have a, I do have a video for you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I had some good videos from, from this week, and mm-hmm. I didn't save them. Yeah. I need to get a file and just start saving mm-hmm. these. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the videos I found though had to do with Bud Light. <laughs> but I don't know if I could have show, showed those on here because you know uh, uh-huh. what's that what's right. that uh, gay, gay guy's name? Dylan. Dylan. I don't. Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah. So, yeah. but but since he's a woman or whatever now, is mm. he gay, or is he considered himself to be straight because <laughs> he switched to being? But he didn't really switch. Dude, I don't even know. Dylan Mulvaney. It's the worst marketing uh, disaster probably in history. I'd like to know how much money they lost. There's still like, New Coke. New Coke? There's still New Coke. I don't, I don't know. Well, we're all drinking. New, I, we're all drinking New Coke. I don't know. Right? If, Aren't we? I don't know if we this... don't. We don't have that old Coke. Well, yeah. Which, had, which well, actually had Coke in well, it. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think that the. I don't think the Bud Light uh, fiasco can original top Coke. New, can top New Coke's disaster. Original Coke, the greatest marketing scheme ever. People drink it. They're like, man, I, I like Pepsi, but just something about that Coke mm. just makes me want to have it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. How can you? How can you be that dumb? To. <laughs> It's, it's it's gonna be it's got to be studied for uh, several hundred years by marketing people, mm-hmm. like how how to try to uh, go bankrupt as fast as you can. Right? <laughs> it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's insane. So yeah, all of my videos I probably couldn't have showed them on here that I found, but they were hilarious. Really making fun of that stuff. Oh, making yeah. Fun of, yeah. yeah. Well, mine's not about mine's not about Bud Light. Hmm. I've actually got two videos. One was sent by a church member, and one I just found out in the wild. Okay. Which one do you want first? Mm-hmm. Go church member first. Church member first? All right. Well, um, this is one from a church member. It is, uh, it's a TikTok video, mm. so you'll enjoy it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's this... yeah. I don't know if he's a pastor or what. He's being interviewed, but this lady is acting out what he's what he's saying, and he's talking about tithing. Okay. So, let's see if this changes your views on tithing. All, All right, right. Let's ready? see. Let's see. Right. If you're a tither, as soon as you walk in the door, angels standing around that store. Oh wow! Would, really? Would say this. They would say, "Heads up, boys." Tithe money just walked in the house. Covenant circumcised money. Oh my! Get him the best deal. Get him the best price. So the guy that's going to take your car in the back, and you're out in the lobby. (laughs) He's back there looking at the tires, and he don't think about nothing. But all of a sudden, he reaches up to get a tire for your car, and it has a blemish on the inside of it, and he don't know it. 
And you don't know it, but that angel knows it. And you're a covenant man. Your money's circumcised. Oh, my. So the angel just bumps that old boy down the line, and he don't know why, but he picks the next tire and puts that on your car. Because the one with the blemish could have blown out when you were going down the interstate and killed you and your whole family. (laughs) That's the tithe. That tithe saved you. That's the tithe. Yeah, that's the tithe. That's the power of the tithe. Yeah. Can save you from dying on the interstate. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that's so pretty, thank that's you to uh, to Austin. He sent that. To uh, us. People might be confused. We don't. We don't. Uh, we don't tell people to that they must tithe here uh, because either your whole family will die. Tithe, yeah. <laughs> you know, we did. I think did we do an episode on um, these abusers. Uh, I believe we did. This has been a while about in regards to tithing, even in the SBC. Uh, we probably talked about it. What was that guy's name? A, Gaines? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about him a little Big bit. Big pastor, Bill, well, uh, president. So after after I get done with Hebrews, I'm going to go to Malachi, and we've yeah. got that big that big uh, passage right. about tithing. So we'll we'll probably talk about it more yeah. when we get to it. I wrote but, I wrote on that in my hermeneutics class. So okay. we had to write a paper applying all the pr- principles of. Mm. Of biblical interpretation to a passage, and I chose that one and um, tried to show that this is co- this is this is tied to the old covenant. Right. Uh, but what principles cross the culture time gap into the new covenant? And mm-hmm. giving still is a principle. Right. But giving is transformed in the new covenant, and, and in fact, in a way, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a mandated tithe. Right. And so you have, but you have people, and they're certainly not. This, if you give, good things oh, will no. happen. If no, you no, don't no, give, no. bad things will happen. Right. This, uh, I've never heard it called circumcised money before. Circumcised yeah. tithe. That's when you just That's take... circumcised tithe, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> what? That you, you know you ever you know bank tellers they know they know the real money when they mm-hmm. get it because they you know they have thousands yeah. of bills. Mm-hmm. You ever think they get one and they're like, oh that that money right there? Yeah, maybe that's that circumcised maybe. money. <laughs> Put that in the special. Special vault. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We're real close to going off the rail. <laughs> uh, All right, I've got another I've got another video. Okay. <laughs> this is a short how to video uh on baptism. How to how to bap- how to baptize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to have to pull up that Eastern Orthodox guy baptizing that baby. Okay, you show this and then we'll show the we'll show them. Right, this see is who a, does this it best. A, this is a how-to video on uh on how to baptize. Okay. Right. Oh. Oh. Oh no. All right, let me It's uh, probably been let deleted. Me let me try that. Let me let me pull it up again. There we go. How to perform a baptism the right way. He's going to show you three simple steps right here of how to administrate a baptism to perfection. The first thing that you always want to do is you want to grab this person and you want to push them under the water. If they don't fully submerge, you want to grab them by the throat and push a little bit harder. If it doesn't work that time, you always jump on them and ride them to the deep end. Uh, If you guys are uh, listening, you're going to have to go on there and watch that <laughs> he jumped on him push him under <laughs> he got right onto the deep end 
Oh, goodness. I'll have a little uh, confession for you. What's that? When I baptized Brooke, Uh she's so light. Smike her, like push her under, (laughs) and her her feet weren't under at the same time as her Mm -hmm. head. And I was like, hmm, does that count as Mm -hmm. full submersion? Mm -hmm. But it appears to have taken. Has it taken? Yeah. So she's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Who we baptized last time? Oh, uh, when Alex got baptized, that's a big boy. Mm -hmm. He made a wave. It was like a wave pool in there. I'm pretty sure some of it came out. Yeah. He's tall. He's, he's tall. Mm-hmm. So we had to move him forward so we didn't have a, a head. You've seen those where people smack their oh, heads. Yeah. yeah. Don't want to yeah. do that. But the the best are those Eastern Orthodox, mm-hmm. the videos of like, those, man. Well, That's some wild stuff. Dude. It is. Yeah. Did you I, find it? Did you pull it up? Oh, I, I don't have my thing plugged in. Oh. Well, it's up to you now, George. I probably, I probably could find it pretty quick. You probably quick. could find it. Yeah. First of all, it's oh, like, they give okay. them They give huh. them a full... Uh, Blame is the person. I don't know what's going on here. You got some Ben Shapiro coming through. I know. I don't know why that's. Who commits the sexual? I don't know what's going on. They, here. uh. Okay. They like. I don't really understand the, the difference in these traditions because some just sprinkle, right? But they go submersion. Well, or, they, or at least. They, I mean, they know that. Uh, they know that the, the word for baptism, it's just. Uh, just a transliteration. I mean, it's yeah. not, you don't translate the word. You just, right. um, and it means to immerse. Yeah. But they do the head, then the feet. Yeah. Yeah. Three times. Yeah. I've got it. Here you oh, go. Yeah. yeah. Here you go. How's it, how does the baby you know, not get a little get bit of a, a commercial? Blue yeah, commercial. Yeah. You can swear by. All right. Here we go. How does the baby not get whiplash? Bro. That's nuts. Yeah, it is. Look at that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, three times. I, yeah. The look, at that ba- look at that baby. Look at, look at the baby's face. That baby. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hey, it, the baby was so freaked out he didn't he didn't cry at first, not until he stopped. <laughs> or maybe that baby's an adrenaline junkie. <clears throat> he liked, liked that. Maybe. Did I show? The, I showed the video a long time ago. The Roman Catholic priest dropping the baby. Yeah, during the baptism. Mm-hmm. Maybe you. You also maybe, maybe don't baptize babies. Yeah, we showed the one too where the guy smacks that baby. You remember <laughs> oh that? Goodness. That was a long time ago. We showed that video. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh goodness. But dad just stood there like like he was Adam. Adam. Watching, <laughs> watching his wife being yeah. taken advantage of. He should have punched that guy. Mm-hmm. Smack a baby. What kind of craziness? Yeah. Can you imagine dad just decks the, the priest unconscious right there in church? <laughs> church service must stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy stuff. All right, well, what are we going to do today, George? What shall we talk about? I think we got, we're going to eventually get it. We're going to talk about eschatology mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. <clears throat> so maybe we start with uh, a little a little eschatology. Maybe we even can answer the question, like, when is it, when is it okay to uh, or appropriate to leave a church? Maybe we can weave that in there, because um, I think it would be good for us to set the parameters as far as, like, 
what we believe about eschatology. Mm-hmm. Not we'll get into the specifics of that later, but as far as fellowship with other believers, mm-hmm. right? And the community of the church right. and the fellow the the, uh, the uh, what is the term I'm going for here? Koinonia. Uh, you like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Little little Greek yeah. for you. But the fellowship of the believers, the unity of the church, mm. um, is eschatology something that should break that mm. and cause us to hold people maybe as somehow unfaithful to the Bible mm. um, or, or to look down upon them or to even leave a church or to stop listening to them? Mm-hmm. Um, my position is it's not. Okay. That's not a reason to break fellowship with other believers. Okay. Or to stop listening to a teacher, and then you find out, oh, they're not my mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. It causes me to doubt everything they have to say about everything else. Yeah. Um, so I think that we do theological triage, mm-hmm. right? And if you've never heard of that that term before, it's it's taking um, it's taking theological doctrines and it's putting it into categories of First importance, second importance, third importance. Right. And when you hear me say that, uh, don't hear me say there are doctrines that aren't important. All, right. The everything that the scripture reveals is um, important for us, or or God wouldn't have He wouldn't have revealed it to us. Right. right? But there are things that are um, more essential than other things. So we talk about gospel issues that would be first importance. So. Uh, the deity of Christ, his work on the cross, the bodily resurrection, mm-hmm. um, faith alone, all of those things, that's that's first first importance. Uh, doctrine of the Trinity, um, th- those things are all first importance. Um, and then we have secondary issues that this would separate, um, I guess, denominations. Is that, is that how you would, would uh, define the secondary issues? The secondary issues like baptism, uh-huh. <laughs> like the uh, the mode of baptism, um, who are the proper candidates for right. baptism, and that, that that then church government it goes that plays right into church government, yeah, yeah, yeah. church government, ecclesiology, mm-hmm. yeah. So those would be secondary issues. So um, our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, we would call them brothers and sisters if they're holding to the first the first. Issues, uh-huh. right? The first first order of, of uh, importance. Well, if they're some, holding it, some Presbyterians. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like some <laughs> right. like some Presbyterians, they wouldn't hold to those those primary right. those essential doctrines. Yeah. So the 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 first the first level of importance that defines whether you're a Christian or not. Mm-hmm. If you don't hold to these essential doctrines, then you're not a Christian. Right. You're you're outside of the bounds of. of Christianity, mm-hmm. the second the second tier would be denominational issues, right? Um, so, baptism, church church government, mm-hmm. things like that. Right. So we would we would still say if you hold to those first those first tier issues, but you believe that we should you know baptize infants and we don't, well we we'll, we won't fellowship with each other in a uh, the same church. Right, but we would still in the say, local, but in we the would, local yeah, gathering, the local church. But we would still say you're believers. Yeah, and we wouldn't say your local gathering's not a not a. Well, some would say you're not a church. Yeah, <laughs> I won't go that far. Okay. Um, like a, if there's a Presbyterian comes here and is like, "Hey, uh, I'm convictionally a Presbyterian," mm-hmm. uh, 
obviously they know that I know that we disagree. Right. Um, they're welcome to be here, part of our congregation. Mm-hmm. But if there were a if there were a conservative Presbyterian church in Lawton, mm-hmm. we'd recommend they go there. Right. So we wouldn't be like, don't go there. Stay mm-hmm. here till you change your mind. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? We <laughs> right. wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, I think the I think the historic uh, label has been these churches are out of order. Yes, I think that's yeah. I think that's how Baptists have, uh-huh. have typically. Yeah, they're a church, but out of order. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's the third tier issues, and which think, they would say we are as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the third tier issues would be, um, I guess, tertiary issues um, that. We can disagree with, but we uh-huh. can still be in the same church, and we can still have fellowship with each other. And, and eschatology would be right one of those. Yep. Now, I, I will say, if there are two churches in the the same location, and one has an eschatology that you disagree with, and one has one that you agree with, that if all the other things are in order, I would say. It's okay to leave that one church and go to the church where you're at, where you agree with the eschatology. I would yeah. I would say that it's because uh, again, eschatology is important. Mm-hmm. It's not an unimportant doctrine. But if there's one one well, church in a location, if that, and the only thing you disagree with is eschatology, then go to that church. Well, if they're both of good health, right? And they both have right. If they're in the yeah, yeah. if they have both have expositional preaching, right. yeah. Um, that for me. The expositional preaching of the word mm-hmm. is going to end up being, at the end of the day, you know, more important, even <clears throat> probably than mode of baptism. Mm. So, like, okay. if my kids go, my kid, he's going mm-hmm. to a school, right? Yeah, I'm not going to tell him to go to a Baptist church that's all gimmicky mm-hmm. and doing stupid stuff and doesn't actually preach the Bible, right? I would say go to the Presbyterian church mm-hmm. and hear the Word of God preached to right. you every week, right? That's what I mean. Yeah. So, but if both of them have that, mm-hmm. then yeah, you would want to you want to find the one that you can be the most comfortable in, and, right? But it's no reason to break fellowship, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, we don't have the same eschatologies, mm-hmm. and we're in the same church, right? And there are other people, I'm sure, in the church mm-hmm. oh, that yeah, don't sure. all have the same eschatology. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So that's one thing I love about our church is the fellowship that is uh, we we are keeping prior we're prioritizing fellowship around these main things mm-hmm. and these other things we can disagree on and even have good conversations about mm-hmm. uh, but the world's getting dark right that's what I'm what I'm thinking about is how bad the world is getting well the world in in America let's say America is changing very quickly uh, so these other things, uh, these aren't going to be things you want to make a major deal over, I think, mm. and leave a congregation over. Yeah. Um, you want to uh, make sure the gospel, you have a gospel reasons. So there are legitimate reasons to leave a congregation. You got gospel mm-hmm. reasons. They have the gospel wrong. Maybe they even are anti Trinitarian. Um, there could be some uh, perhaps doctor- doctrinal reasons. So I found this helpful article about this on the For the Church website, uh, written by H.P. Charles, who is a dude. He's a dude. Okay. (laughs) That's what they call guys in baseball who are good at baseball. They call them dudes. Okay. And H.P. Charles, of course, you know, he's a great preacher. Mm -hmm. A lot of people might not know about him, but 
he is. <clears throat> so he has this this other one where it's like, okay, if everything's good, but they're trying to force you to believe something that you don't believe. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, um, you have somebody here in our church that's a uh, maybe they are post mill, mm-hmm. and we're like, no, none of us are post mill, mm-hmm. and uh, you need to give that up to be a part of our church. Mm-hmm. Like we are trying to force you and bind your conscience. You may not can stay there, right? Right. You shouldn't. You shouldn't uh, have somebody bind your conscience, right? Uh, but if they could say, "Hey, you know, we're not that, but you're welcome to fellowship with us," there's a difference, right? You and see I, what I mean, I think that's a, a pastoral thing for us to to think about, also, because it's easy to take swipes at mm-hmm. positions that we don't agree with, um, and I think we need to be careful how we talk about some of these tertiary issues Mm -hmm. um so that we don't so we don't do that right right uh i mean we can we can joke around all in good fun but we need to make sure that we're not um insulting people that have different eschatological views uh from the pulpit because we don't want to alienate them um and that kind of brings us to I think John MacArthur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because recently the Shepherds Conference, what was that? About three weeks ago? Four yeah. weeks ago? Something yeah. like that. Uh, Shepherds Conference. Um, you've been to it. I've been to it three times. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's always good. Yeah. A yeah. uh, bunch of different pastors. I prefer it, actually, to other... Com- well, I haven't gone to Ligonier Conference yet, mm. uh, but... Better than together for the gospel conference for okay. sure because you're there in one location. Mm. Um, it's just a good time and it's just a better. The way it's done is just better. Yeah, I think, and you get you get to hear from preachers you'd never hear from at at uh, together for the gospel. Mm. Many of them actually better than those preachers there. Yeah. Uh, but John MacArthur did get up uh, at the end. He. Yeah, preached the final sermon of the Shepherds Conference this year and took a swipe at uh, anyone who didn't have his eschatology. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm conf- I'm really conflicted about about that. I've been listening to John MacArthur for a long time. Yeah. You know, he's he's uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, he's been influential in my life, as I'm sure yours and many other people's. Mm-hmm. I went to go to school because I wanted to learn from him. Uh, that's where I got my doctorate degree in preaching, right? So I went there because I wanted to learn from him and Steve Lawson. Um, I mean, uh, I don't idolize him, but I didn't have anything else for him to sign. So I had him right in the front of my Bible, and he wrote, preach the word. Mm. That's what he wrote, and put a Bible verse. You know he didn't write that, right? No, I actually handed it to him. He actually wrote that. No, you know he didn't write. He didn't write the Bible. Oh right? no, but it's not. It's in the. Uh, <laughs> see, it's it's yes. in the prepage. I got you. I got you. So that's not technically Bible. You slap that out of your hand. Yeah, it's not technically Bible. It's in the prepage. <laughs> what is RC? Because RC Sproul had a story about people coming up to him and asking yeah. him to sign his Bible, and I can't remember what he would. I don't remember what he say. I can't remember what he. But would. I have prepages and post pages. Mm. Part of my post pages are like the Second London Baptist <clears throat> Confession. Mm-hmm. That's not Bible. Yeah. And there's all these maps, too. Yeah. I guess I could have had him sign a map. Hey, <laughs> well, I don't want you signing my Bible. 
but I don't have anything else. Would you sign this map of Peter's sec- or uh, Paul's second yeah. missionary journey? Uh-huh. <laughs> I found this yeah. really funny. Well, I thought it was funny. Everyone I showed it to didn't didn't think it was as funny, but let me see if I can find it and see if see if you think it's Yeah, here you go. Let me see if I can I'll send it to myself and uh see if you if you think it's funny. Since we're talking about uh since we're talking about people autographing so you know, like uh, Sproul is Sproul will be for me. There you go. He's he's like the I think the number one my number one guy. Mm-hmm. Other than my lo- the local pastors of this church, which right? is which is is funny. I mean, I'd, I'd probably say the same thing. And it's funny because he's Presbyterian. We would disagree with him on those some of those secondary uh-huh. those second tier issues. Right. Yeah. And I am. We disagree with him on his eschatology too. Yeah, I think he. I, well, I haven't decided if he's all mill or if he's post mill. He was po- he he explicitly says he said that he in was his, in his I in his book The Last Days According to Jesus he's explicitly post mill. I heard that he he changed to all mill before he died, but I haven't seen any evidence yeah. of that. So I I don't know. So one thing, if you want a dose of humility for those that are like this is the way, and I can't believe no one else can see it. Consider that R.C. Sproul changed his position numerous times. Yeah. And I got news for you. You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> okay. That that man is oper- operating on another level oh, of yeah. biblical mm-hmm. knowledge and intellect. Like, <clears throat> when you don't need to prepare notes to preach anymore, right. and somebody be like, hey, uh, it's, like a, it's like a game show. Let's see if Sproul can preach Romans chapter 2, verse 30, you know, whatever. And he's like... Let me tell you about all of the history that began in the year 1200 that has to do with this with this here. Now let me tell you about how that history influenced philosophy. Now let me tell you about the key players of this. Mm-hmm. Now let me tell you what Paul means. Right. <laughs> and uh, like no notes. Okay. Yeah. If that man changes his position on eschatology, eschatology is not the gospel and it's not something you should leave a church for mm-hmm. it's not something that you should throw your pastor under the bus over got news for you he's not the only one that changes position numerous times yeah uh shriner mm-hmm. tom jumps, shriner i'm pretty forth. sure he he is uh written before on revelation but now he's writing a different book on mm-hmm. revelation from his new perspective mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah there's many I mean, who who do we got? We got uh, in the same pulpit, great preachers: Charles Spurgeon, historic pre mill, John Gill, kind of. Like, no, he definitely is. But he says, uh, well, I I know that Murray talks about him as it's hard to it's hard to nail him down sometimes. It's hard to he, nail him down because he says some things that are post mill. Well, because he's he's like I am. He's optimistic about mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. But then you've got John Gill, who was in the mm-hmm. same pulpit yeah. for a long time, right, right before he was. Mm-hmm. All male. Mm. No, he's, he's a historic primo. You sure? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Histor- well, historicist interpretation of Revelation, I believe, but historic primo. Okay, so yep. two guys for my team. Mm. <laughs> We're gonna collect them like baseball. Cards. Congratulations. We'll, we'll have like a deck. <laughs> we'll have a deck when we uh, when we do our positions. Uh huh. Yeah, like a card game, and we can play these cards. Okay. So, uh, but all that to say, as much as we, I love John, I love John MacArthur, mm. um, and as a reason I went to school there. Mm. 
I don't agree with them on the eschatology. And I didn't when I went into the school, mm-hmm. right? So I told them I had to look at their doctrinal beliefs. Right. Do you do you subscribe <laughs> to our doctrinal beliefs? Mm-hmm. So I decided I most of it, just not I disagree with you on on some of the things in the end times, mm-hmm. not dispensational. Right. And they let me in the school. They kind of have to. I mean, they're bringing in people that are not dispensational well, to teach. <laughs> yeah, that's the, this is the curious thing about... And you could play the clip even if you want, or you can just say what he said. But I've got a I've got a a, a, a little transcript of of some of the things he said during his yeah his uh, his message. Well, what's so strange is before you read it, consider in my in this doctoral program, mm-hmm. probably ninety percent of the professors that he brought in to teach us mm. were not of the same his same eschatology. Yeah. And the reason he brought them in is because he thinks they're the best teachers of the Bible mm. on planet Earth. Right. Literally, that's what they said. Yeah. So you're, you've got Sinclair Ferguson, mm-hmm. you've got Alistair Begg, mm. you've got, um, uh, and then you even have different specialties like historical theology. Mm-hmm. He would bring in Carl Truman and other people. Um, Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas came in and lectured on. The humanity of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, and the, which is his thing. You know, mm-hmm. Sinclair, Fer- Sinclair Ferguson, I think, is Holy Spirit, and I think he's humanity of Christ. Yeah, Joel Beakey. Joel Beakey. Um, the list goes on. That's really what I get so frustrated when when I read this. You'll see like how frustrating it is because he takes swipes at these guys <laughs> for no reason. It's just bizarre. Well, I was going to say you can read it, but <clears throat> he's last this last time and. I wasn't that upset by it, you know. I, I know he's he says things like that it didn't offend me at all, but it did really bother me because I could hear how he he has he's aged so much. Mm. Like it didn't sound like him to me. It, it sounded it was him. He almost but, didn't preach yeah. uh, because of his health. Maybe he was sick. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, he was. I mean. He's old. The guy How is, old is he? 80... 84, I think. 84, 85. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously super tough. I mean, he preached for an hour, 17 minutes. Right. I probably won't be able to do that when mm-hmm. I'm that old. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's still pretty sh- sharp. Yeah. Uh, but he just, his voice was not the same. Mm. So. Yeah. I did have this meme I wanted to show you first before I read. I, I was more frustrated by MacArthur's stuff than you were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll show you this meme. I thought. Since we were talking about people signing okay. autographs. So there you go. I saw Vody Bauckham today, but didn't have a pen or paper, so he signed my notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's the notes on a, on an Apple phone for those that are listening, and he typed in Vody. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Oh, that was pretty good. All right, let me read this. I, I was pretty frustrated by this whole thing. Okay. This whole thing was frustrating because it, the last, the last several of the Shepherd Conference uh, messages from MacArthur that I've heard, um, it seems like he does take swipes at, well, at these people, and it's it's frustrating because you go and you've got people there that preach that have different eschatological positions. Oh, yeah, so yeah. it's like, why are you like? Well, so Sinclair. so so like you said, he's he's old. Um, he's not going to be around much longer, right? And there are a lot of things that are wrong with the church mm-hmm. that we could use John MacArthur's voice, mm-hmm. but it seems like when he has, you know, the ear of all these people that he goes after eschatology. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because there are things 
that he he could really um, leave us with some wisdom um, in dark days, and this is what he <laughs> this, right. is, this is the hill he wants to die on, mm-hmm. and it's it's just frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah. well, it it is interesting because they're there, like those same teachers. Mm-hmm. Many of them are there. Yeah. Peaky's there, Ferguson's usually well, it's, there. Well, it's like his uh, years ago when he got up at the Shepherd's Conference and preached his why every self-respecting Calvinist should be premillennial. But then his premillennialism is not just premillennialism. It's got to be dispensational premillennialism, which was in the message. Like right. his, like his, his premillennialism is dispensational premillennialism, uh-huh. which is different than uh, than your position. Um and it's like you've got you've got all your friends here that have different positions, and you you like take swipes at them, and it's mm. it's just weird. It's just a weird thing to me. Like, would you be okay if I took a swipe at you from the pulpit like that? Well, <laughs> like he does yeah. with Piper in this yeah. in, in this quote. <laughs> no, not. I mean, we have we have to. We're in the same church, so we have to be together right. in the church afterward. Yeah. So yeah. I probably wouldn't have maybe done that, especially yeah. if, like, you, what you'll read. Do you think Piper sent him that book? Like, I don't personally? know. Personally, oh, I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, he just came back. Like, I think Piper was back. No, he hadn't been back in a long time. Uh, I he, don't know if he was at the Shepherd's Conference. He was at something because they did an interview together, but well, that was before the Shepherd's Conference. I know at I the Shepherd Conference was. years ago, he called out John MacArthur in his own church for being wrong. Oh really? Yeah, and but MacArthur took it well. He he made actually made a joke about it after. Oh yeah, like what he called to be him reviewed. For? But he he made it. He made an incorrect statement about I think something historical. And oh he was really? Like, oh, by the way, that was wrong. <laughs> but that you know how Piper is in the middle of his thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, they're all quirky, dude. P- yeah, Piper's are. got his quirks too. He man. does. He yeah. does. Yeah. Like he remember when he called out Swin? Uh, no, uh, uh, Chuck. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who went to prison. Colson. Chuck Colson, yeah, at that conference where he's like, by the way, everything he said is wrong. Because <laughs> Chuck, because he was, that was when he was doing the hedon, Christian hedonism mm-hmm. stuff and it wasn't about duty faith. Mm. But uh, Chuck, uh, again, yeah. what's his name? Colson. Olson. Colson. Colson. Charles Colson, yeah. yeah. He, uh, apparently his talk was a, like maybe duty based. I don't mm. know, but. Everything you just heard's wrong. <laughs> That's John Piper. Plus the crazy hair, like like he's gonna go uh, uh-huh. hop in the DeLorean, right. take off in time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So this was um, I found this on a, a Facebook page. Someone someone wrote out uh, some stuff that MacArthur said in his sermon. So I've got it up on the screen if you want to show it. So this is a comment on Facebook, but it's this this is what John MacArthur said. All right. Last week I received a book on my desk from somebody I love, wonderful teacher of God's word, a book on the second coming. The John Piper book. Okay. Immediately I went to the scripture index in the back of the book, and there were passages from mostly places in the New Testament and a few in the Old Testament. There was no one single reference from the book of Zechariah. And I thought, how can you do that? How can you write an eschatology without having mastered the book of Zechariah? 
it wasn't a I don't we talked about it before we started recording. We don't I don't think that it was a I don't think it was an eschatology. I I think it was about the second coming, but I don't right. think it was like a, it wasn't a systematic book I think, on the second coming. I think more to encourage believers about when Christ appears, we'll be transformed, we'll be like him. Mm-hmm. The new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. Like the right. resurrection of the dead, all these great benefits of Christ coming. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that he was like you said writing a systematic right like his he's historic premill. Mm-hmm. He's not writing an historic premill eschatology, right. which is which is really like I told you I came in your office I said I'm kind of surprised that this he said this stuff mm-hmm. because I think Piper would agree with almost everything he says about Zechariah. Yeah. Not everything, but almost everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the subtle thing, you know, you can't, uh, you can't write an eschatology without having mastered the book of Zechariah. It was a little subtle. Right. John MacArthur has mastered the book of Zechariah, <laughs> which is like the most difficult book in the entire Bible. <laughs> uh, he just put out a commentary on Zechariah. Yeah. Um, the Lair Bear brought me a copy. Oh yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, it's a continual burden to me. This is where I got really frustrated. This, this next part. <laughs> It's a continual burden to me, uh, continual discouragement that the reform movement, so popular in being precise about sound doctrine, has been indifferent <laughs> toward that doctrine. That's really, really frustrating. Yeah, because there's a lot. The reformed world has contributed. Yes, pretty big volumes to eschatology. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the probably the most. I don't know the most detailed scholarly commentary on. Revelation is G.K. Bills mm. reformed. Like, is he not taking? Is he indifferent to eschatology? I don't. What's the name of the book? This is the one on Revelation. The oh, he wrote. He wrote a commentary on Revelation. <laughs> he also, Revelation. I thought you were referencing this one on the, te- uh, uh, the temple. Like the temple. The temple. The, the, uh, the church and the temple. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's more of a biblical. No, theology. no. He wrote a. He wrote a gigantic uh, thousand-page commentary on Revelation. Revelation. Um. Yeah, anyway. Uh, how can you do that? How can you think that God spoke clearly about everything but the end, that it does not matter? It's almost a badge of academic ability not to have a view. Why is it important for us to get this right? Because we need to honor the Lord. All his word matters. We need to live in the light of the glorious second coming of Jesus Christ. We need to worship him the way he is worshiped in Revelation 5. We need to learn from Peter that these are sanctifying realities. Don't cheat your people on this and be faithful to the word of God. Uh, it the the uh, I mean, yes, he is dispensational. I'm going to disagree with his commentary on the book of Zechariah, mm-hmm. um, at least the second half of of Zechariah. But to think that the Reformed world is indifferent about eschatology is bonkers. Um, I could go to my office and just pull books <laughs> off the shelf on mm-hmm. Revelation and just eschatology uh, eschatology in general. That are right. arguing for a certain position. Yeah, they're not indifferent. They just don't agree with you, mm-hmm. and there's a difference there. Right. Um, to take swipes and say they're indifferent about the doctrine, they think that it's not clear. They think that it it's not important to have a view. Um, it's just he's just throwing up all these straw men, right. and it's really frustrating mm-hmm. because, like I said, um, like he's not going to be around much longer, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the church that I think he could share. A lot of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, about, and right, he's taking these swipes <clears throat> because he's frustrated that dispensationalism is not—it's not the majority position in the Reformed world. 
Right. Yeah. And so he's 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 discouraged, he's discouraged by it, and it's it's just it's bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. here I am. I'm. I know that I'm. Like he's had heart problems. He's fallen down. He's like he's hurt himself. He had like he was obviously uh, not hundred percent at the shepherds conference. What can I leave you know leave them with? Right. Stop it's being a, indifferent about eschatology. It's his, <laughs> but that's his kind of his thing, though. You I know. know. I mean, everybody's got their thing. Yeah. And that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's his. That's his. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I did appreciate that he came. In, he came in class one day. And he taught us uh, in Revelation from beginning to end, with just the Bible. I mean, he he knows the Bible very well, and he definitely knows his um, his system of theology very mm-hmm. well. And well, how, he's been preaching and how, for and how he goes almost, about what, it. Yeah, what fifty years? And I think he's done Revelation a couple of <clears throat> two times. I think maybe mm-hmm. at the church two yeah. times. So I like I said, I respect it. I respect I respect even his uh, position. As within the bounds of orthodoxy, mm. um, and I'm okay because he's old, he is older, so mm. I have to get you know. I think we ought to honor people that are older than us, even if that means we have to take their insults. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like people get older, they just say things. They crotchety, don't, you know, they crotchety old John MacArthur. I I, I just think don't, it's, you guys don't take eschatology yeah, seriously. Yeah, there's no telling. Get off my kind of, lawn. <laughs> there's no kind of telling what kind of stuff I'll say when I'm eighty. George, I hope I hope people can spot me a little bit grace, a little bit of grace, because who knows? I spot you more than a little bit of grace on this podcast, Jay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so eschatology it is important. Yeah. Um, we're not saying it's indifferent, even though we have different positions. We would argue for our position. I would say that it's clearly my position. You would say it's clearly yours. We have disagreements. Um, so maybe we could talk about where where are the boundaries of eschatology? Like what are the things that we need to hold to? Mm-hmm. Because there's been a dust up on, uh, in, in the Reformed world um, lately um, between Gary DeMar. Yeah. And, and he's, the, uh, he's the head of American Vision. I'm pretty sure he's the head of it. Okay. Because Joel McDermott, he he got yeah, ousted he because he. Down. What's he doing now? Joel McDermott. Yeah. Just being woke, just saying huh. woke woke things. What's uh, he do for a living though? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but Gary Tomorrow, I'm pretty sure he's the head of American Vision, a post millennial yeah. uh, theonomist uh, organization. Mm-hmm. But um, he has said some. Uh, he said some really troublesome things over the last, I don't know, six months or so. And yeah. uh, Kenneth Gentry, who is post millennial, also right, has been confronting him. Yeah. Um, and he's asked him three questions, to which Gary Demar, they're well, just yes or no questions, and he won't answer. Gary Demar won't won't answer them. I um, mean, he, he just kind of talks around them. Yeah. And uh, has said some really weird things. Let me show you the. Let me show you the three questions, and this will help us to see what are the uh, kind of what are the boundaries of eschatology. Right. These are really easy questions <laughs> to answer yes or no on. Uh, so this is directed towards Gary Demar. Um, Gary Demar is um, he is by not answering these questions, he is being accused of hyperpreterism or full preterism full preterism is the belief that um all of the prophecies 
of the future have taken have place. taken place, including the resurrection of the dead. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we can get into that as we talk about the different positions on Revelation. I think. Yeah. Uh, but for now, we can say here are the three questions. One, do you believe in a future bodily return of Christ? Okay. Two, do you believe in a future physical resurrection? Three, do you believe in a future final judgment that brings an end to temporal history so that sin will be judged and wholly removed from the universe? Mm-hmm. Pretty easy questions, I think. They're to, pretty to easy. Answer, to answer yes or no on, is there a physical return of Christ? Yes, right? <laughs> Should be. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe in a future physical resurrection? Yes. Do you believe in a future final judgment that brings an end to history as we know it and the end of sin? Yes. So in my post pages of this Bible, I have these. You have another you I have another the creeds. autograph. There's oh, okay. the creeds, right? But then it then it goes to the Osberg Confession, which is the Lutheran Confession. Uh-huh. Written by uh some of Luther's uh Disciples, mm-hmm. shall we say? Sure. And um, guess what they have in here? Uh, they've got the a physical the, resurre- yeah. the physical resurrection of the dead mm-hmm. at the return of Jesus Christ, uh-huh. glorification of those still alive, judgment mm-hmm. of the wicked into hell forever, reward for believers, the elect, new heaven and new earth. It's not real complicated. Yeah, it's not right. a, it's not even a huge section. Yeah, but you then trace from them. You mm-hmm. go, what? Which one is the next one that came after Augsburg? It's the uh, the Church of England one. Thirty nine articles. Yes, that same. Mm-hmm. Westminster Confession. Would you take a guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. London Baptist Confession. Right. Same. Mm-hmm. None of the sections are big or giant. There, there, there aren't huge mm-hmm. eschatologies. Right. They're, that, yeah, they're, they're, they're not getting into all the details. Right. Um, but that is what is because there's different. There's some different yes. positions. Right? Yes. Yes, and that's that was the important thing for the people who were drafting these in their and these are now representing denominations. Mm-hmm. But you see, in those, what's essential? This, these are the essential things. Right. Things outside of that are not things that it's worth us cutting each other off of the kneecaps over. Right. Yeah. You know? So the let, let, maybe just walk, we can just walk through those three questions. Right. Maybe back it up with scripture mm-hmm. because it's these, these are the essentials because scripture clearly teaches it. Yes. Right. Like when we're talking about the essentials and the tertiary, we talk about these, the, the, the three kind of levels of theological triage. Yes. As these are essential because the Bible speaks so clearly to them, and mm-hmm. they're essential for salvation. They they touch on the gospel directly. Um, and then as we get to the more tertiary things, we can say, like second level, uh, the Bible seems to be super clear: baptize professing believers only. Yes, but Presbyterians they look at the Bible also, and they would say no household baptisms or uh, descendants or circumcision, and they would say, baptize uh, the infants of believing parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it, and then you get to eschatology, and it's like, well, you can say certain things are clear, but other things maybe are not as clear. Yeah. Um, but these three, these three are essential. Yeah. And if you say no to these three questions, you'd be outside the bounds of orthodoxy because we would say the scriptures clearly 
speak to all three of these. Right. Uh, so the physical, bodily, uh, visible, coming? visible coming? coming of Christ. Yeah. Okay. I've got I've got four. <clears throat> Acts one eleven. Okay. Men of Galilee, they said, "Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus, whom has been taken away from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven." Disciples are standing around. Right there goes Jesus. Uh-huh. What do we do now? <laughs> yeah. Here comes the angels. Mm. What are you guys doing? He tells you to get after it. <laughs> go wait for the Holy Spirit. But he's coming back the same way you saw him go. Mm-hmm. Physical return. Right. First Thessalonians four sixteen through seventeen. The Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive. And our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Um, Matthew twenty four thirty. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the peoples of earth will mourn because they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Um, well, there is one in Zechariah, even chapter twelve, second half or thirteen, which says they will. Every eye look, will see every him. Every eye will mm. see him. They will look on him who they have pierced. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Revelation 1-7. Look, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him. Mm-hmm. Those whom he has pierced, that's a reverence to Zechariah. Mm-hmm. All the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Mm-hmm. Because he's coming back and it's judgment time. Right. So there is, without a doubt, a physical re- uh, return of Jesus right. in, a human, in his human body, mm-hmm. as he still is a human a glorified human, and at his coming, everyone will see him. It's not going to be a surprise. Right. Well, some, I guess, say it's a surprise the first time, but but I don't think it is. Yeah. It's a little, I guess, a little teaser into well, my... Well, he, he even says, you know, the, that in, in the Olivet Discourse, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit because there's different interpretations right. for uh, the Olivet Discourse, but... You know he's he's warning about these false teachers. Um, they're they're going to come and say, "Look, the Messiah is here," and he's you know he go out to the wilderness and he's there. Uh-huh. Go over here and he's there. And there's going to be many that come in his name. Right. But like the, the the lightning that flashes from the east to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. You like, see, it lightning. will be it will be obvious. Lightning's like obvious. You don't you won't have to you won't have to say, well, what about this guy? Our maybe he, maybe he's the maybe he's the messiah. Our like, trumpet blast, obvious. Well, I would. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, we'll touch on all. I, I think all these these different issues, yeah, but like First Thessalonians four, mm-hmm. it seems pretty obvious that <laughs> the trumpet blast, shout of the archangel, Christ will come, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it it it's going to be a visible. Appearance, right? It's going to be a physical appearance, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, if you deny that Christ is returning bodily, visibly, it's outside the bounds, I think, because the scriptures seem to be really clear about it, right? Second question: uh, Do you believe in a, a future physical resurrection? That one is... now, Damar is—he's dancing around and he's saying yeah. that when when you die, you get your new body, you get your new glorified body, right? Uh, but what's the what's the scripture teach on future? Is there a future physical resurrection? Well, First Thess- Thessalonians four, which I already read, seems mm. to very strongly imply that the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, the graves will be opened, mm-hmm. and the dead will come out of them right. with resurrected bodies. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, John, mm-hmm. John chapter five, right? Um, Jesus seems to talk about two different kinds of resurrection. Mm. Um, he says that, uh, uh, let's see, where am I, where am I looking, Jay? Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Mm-hmm. That seems to be regeneration. Mm-hmm seems to be a very specific number of dead come to life and that would be from dead in sin to alive in christ Mm -hmm. but then he says because he he says an hour is coming is now here when this will happen right but then he goes on in verse 28 says do not marvel at this for an hour is coming and he leaves off the now is now here right uh when all who are in the tombs everyone yep right? uh will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment yep so there is a general resurrection mm-hmm. of everybody 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 who's who's in the grave um some are going to rise to resurrection of life they're going to be glorified and then the rest are going to be re- resurrected to judgment and i don't know what that i don't know what that resurrection is going to look like are they going to be Zombie mode, Jay. What, what, what do you think they're going to? I gonna, think they'll just think they have gonna, their old body. Just old body. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'll. I mean, that's not going to be this, great, huh? This frail body. Yeah. You know, I think I could foresee the, uh, a skeptic or saying like, "How how can you guys silly believe this? People die; their bones are long gone." Well, maybe I've actually, maybe bone I've, actually dust. I've actually run across Gary Demar arguing like an unbeliever. In, Bro. In that some people, yeah. you know, they went in the ocean and got eaten up, and uh-huh. now they're disintegrated. Right. Some people are cremated, and they're dust. They get released on a cliff and blown over the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the resurrection of the dead is a miracle. And right. I don't know if you read this in your Bible before, but sometimes, you know, miracles can be like, God's so powerful, he makes things out of nothing. Right. So I'm thinking a little bone dust isn't a problem. Yeah, Right. Uh, we've, we've got Revelation. You're, stardust. You're just stardust. <laughs> You're just stardust anyway. It's majestic. <laughs> <laughs> gives so much meaning to your life. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. Uh, and from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done and the sea gave up the dead who were in it death and hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one of them according to what they had done then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire Um, so there's there is this general resurrection and uh, everyone stands before christ um who they can see (laughs) so visible and then Mm -hmm. Resurrection to life and resurrection to judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Yeah, there's there is a resurrection of the dead. Gary Demar and those who would argue in his his fashion would be arguing like the false teachers of First right. Corinthians chapter fifteen. Yes. So I, I think that maybe people can get a little confused about what the false teachers are saying in First mm-hmm. Corinthians. Um, so First Corinthians chapter fifteen, they're arguing that there is no resurrection of the dead. But they believe that Christ rose from the dead, right? And and so Christ rose from the dead, but there's no resurrection of anybody else from the dead. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, yeah. It's a weird view, but 
But Paul argues Christ has been raised from the dead. And because he has been raised from the dead, then everyone else yes, is going to rise will from be the raised. dead also. It's, mm-hmm. it's union with Christ um, theology. It's the doctrine of be, wherever Christ is, his people have to be with him. Right. So if he's died, we die with him. Mm-hmm. When he rises from the dead, we rise also. And because he's been glorified, we're going to be glorified also. Right. Um, and so he argues that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either, and the whole gospel falls apart. Right. But because Christ has been raised from the dead, we're also going to be um, raised from the dead also. And uh, the end of 1 Corinthians 15 couldn't be any clearer um, that uh, just for verse 14, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then... The last verse is why this is so important. Like it, like this idea that we are going to be raised on the last day um, with glorified bodies actually has practical application for now. Mm-hmm. So he says, therefore, tying what he says into to now, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be raised from the dead your work here on earth has purpose. It has meaning and value. Yeah. So work, work for God, uh, work for the glory of God, because your works, Revelation 14 says, your work will follow you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I don't think we ought to divide from other believers, and it should even threaten fellowship in any capacity. If people believe in a personal, visible, bodily return of Jesus Christ, a resurrection of the dead, a judgment to eternal life and hell, and that um, this period of time will... I mean, every theological position historically has believed that this time will be preceded by a time, even post-mill, by the way, sorry, post-mill guys, but there'll be a great falling away, be preceded by a time, a terrible time on the earth right before Christ comes again. A a great tribulation period, there's a man of lawlessness, all of these things, unless you're a full preterist, I guess, um, will be preceded by this wicked time on the earth, but then Christ will return, new heaven, new earth, the timing of those things, obviously, people can separate on how that all takes place, right? Um, don't we shouldn't be dividing over that stuff. Shouldn't be throwing each other under the bus. Shouldn't break fellowship. Any of it shouldn't take shots at each other. Start calling each other like anti semites, um, which I've heard people say. Um, can people stop calling me a replacement theologian? I guess. <laughs> I guess they could uh, if they chose. Um, <laughs> 
all of these things. Yeah, we shouldn't make insults at each other mm. like that. I mean, that is meant to be disparaging, really. Right. It's not meant as a compliment. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I got news for you. Big gay's coming for you. <laughs> Big gay is coming. And uh, you want to uh, divide with each other over eschatology? Nah. The, this is the most powerful movement in, in the West. You know, we were warned by Eisenhower to beware of the military-industrial complex. Rightly so. But per, but nowadays, the greatest power in America is the uh, the big gay industrial complex. Mm. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe they uh, probably probably some gay people don't even like being lumped in with the trans movement. So I don't know what you'd call it. The queer industrial complex, powerful. They've got the media. They've got the politicians. They've got the popular culture. Mm. They have the teachers' union. <coughs> um, time to uh, unite with each other as Christians. Be prepared for what's coming. Mm. In the hope that Christ is coming. Sure. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's right. Like eschatology is um, it's it's so often used, like you said, to divide people. Um, people spend all their time speculating. It's meant for encouragement. That that's what it's used for. There's there's warnings and there's encouragement. Those are the those are the reasons why eschatology is is given. I mean, the entire book of Revelation is meant to warn these uh, you know lukewarm Christians like Laodicea, these uh, compromising churches. Um, I mean, it, it serves like one big warning passage. The whole book is just one big warning passage. You're either on this side or this side. There's no, once you compromise, you've chosen a side. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also meant for encouragement because it's written to seven actual churches that right. are going through actual tribulation. They're, they're actually experiencing difficulties. And Christ is coming. Christ is coming and he's going to judge those who are persecuting you and he's going to he's going to rescue you right yeah yeah so yeah. instead of um trying to figure out what well is it uh, are they are is it barcodes or is there like a computer chip that they implant into us or you know uh maybe uh maybe this guy is the antichrist like right. all of that stuff that that people speculate on that's not the purpose of the book of revelation the book of revelation is meant to warn you against being worldly Mm -hmm. And it's to encourage you to remain faithful even to the point of death because Christ is coming. Yeah, your eschatology should uh, bolster you to where, like, here's how you prepare for the end of the world. Okay. There's only one thing to do that's to determine to persevere mm. and to not fall away. Right. Even under persecution, even under torture, even under death. Mm -hmm. You will not fall away. Right. And that's what's required of you. I mean, you read through Revelation, see the glory that they that these that they martyred give to, to Christ, how they're honored in right. in heaven. Um, this is the only this is a way to repair. I don't need Jimmy Swaggart's bucket of slop. You seen that? You seen that? Jimmy Swaggart sells the bucket of slop to survive the apocalypse. That Jimmy Swagger because I've seen uh, I've seen Jim Baker. Jim Baker, that's Jim it. Baker. I get yeah. I get all the charlatans confused. Jim, <laughs> Jim Baker you with his I mean? Jim Baker with his big uh, his big uh, big old his big old tub of slop tubs of. I don't need to make a bunker out in my backyard and stock it full of James Baker's slop. 
Circ- circumcised slop, maybe. Huh? Special. A special blessed circumcised slop. <laughs> I don't need that. Uh, I, I could see maybe churches, uh, what could be beneficial? Other than, hey, preaching the Bible, encouraging people to persevere in their faith, maybe teaching people how to make a fire, maybe kill an animal. The bigger... the, the, the <laughs> You know, the, what, I, you know yeah, what I'm saying? The, the biggest issue is not will you have food when the economy falls but when the whatever government there is says we'll we'll provide for you so long as you worship the beast worship the beast so long as people you, always forget that part have you noticed that yeah so long as you bow down to the sexual deviance yeah um we'll let you keep your job as long as you say that this guy dressed as a woman is a woman right but if you if you go against that yeah. And you're gone. Yeah. Um, the the main issue is not is not um, what will I eat, but who am I going to worship? Yeah. Am I going to remain faithful to Christ even if I have no food? And the government is there with their hand out with a just burn big a, juicy steak. Just burn a pinch of of incense right. yeah, to just Caesar. A, yeah, just a, just a pinch of incense. It's not a big deal. The pattern like, the like pattern saw, is set like, historically. Like like right? we, like uh, like. Uh, you see in Second Maccabees, these guys like, we'll let you go free. All you got to do is eat some eat some pig flesh. All you got to do is eat some ham. Yeah, and we'll let you go free. But if not, we're gonna cut out your tongue and cut off your hands, and we're gonna burn you in fire, and and we're gonna make your family watch. Yeah, that's the that's the issue. Mm-hmm. That's the issue of the Book of Revelation. Um, and what, however you interpret it, that is the issue. Who are you going to be faithful to? Are you going to be faithful to Christ, or are you going to fall away because, well, it's, it's easier to do this than to be a Christian? That's the reality of Christians in North Korea right now. Right. They're, they are brainwashed from the time they are born mm-hmm. that, that he's a god. Right. Um, the calendar revolves around like his birthday. It's, mm-hmm. it's wild. The, the year begins. That dynasty, they set them up as gods. They worship, they're worshipped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Christians in there now are literally living in some... They're living the reality that Western Christians' fear is coming mm-hmm. on the global scale, and and I do believe it is coming. Yeah. But the the chief issue is worship. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You can't take the mark of the beast on accident, <laughs> right? You're going to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're going to give. You're going to throw Christ away if you go that way. Yeah. Hopefully, none of you listening will do it, and you're going to choose the man of lawlessness, mm-hmm. who will, could be literally uh, a man worshipped like Caesar. Yeah. But uh, it, I mean, again, this is this is my eschatology peeking through. Right. Is that this is not just a future threat? This is, I mean, that's what we see in the Book of Hebrews. This is an ongoing threat. Yeah. There's always going to be a beast. There's always going to be someone that's saying, "Worship me, and I'll give you everything that you need." You see people worshiping the state even now in America. Oh, they true. they worship the government. And they expect the government to do good things for them and provide for them. And I'll do whatever you say. You want me to? You want me to stay at home and not go out? Sure. If you you want me to take you know a, a vaccine? Sure. I'll do whatever you say. Just you know keep handing out those checks. Um, it, it it's it's an ongoing reality of who are you going to worship? But even if we live in, I don't know what's the what's the highlight of American history? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, hey, even if you live in a, a time when the government is not over overreaching, you're still going to be tempted to live for this world, live for this life, live for the comforts of the flesh, 
And if you have to deny Christ in order to get to it, you will. And the warning of Revelation is don't side with the world. Because this world and all of its pleasures and all of its comforts are going to fade away, but the one who trusts in Christ will live forever. Yes. And that's um, that, that really is the hope of, of our eschatology. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's good. Um, so we'll jump into eschatology. What will we start with? Should we start with dispensationalism? I'd just start with the different views, maybe, and try to um, accurately describe We try to accurately describe, describe it. Dispensationalism has changed a lot. It though, has, over yeah. The there are different... Uh, past 50 years, I guess? Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has changed quite a bit. Um, but we'll try to present... as Again, we're not dispensationalists, but we'll try I, to... I used to be. Yeah, we'll try to accurately mm-hmm. represent it, and we're not going to be like, "Hey, if you're that, you're not a believer." Mm-hmm. Not going to happen here. Yeah. So maybe John Hagee. Well, that gets into <laughs> you know, as I say, that's you know, there are other things. <coughs> there are other things that could give warning signs. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So I think that's about it for the podcast for today. Huh? Okay, yeah. Well, we're uh, kicking off eschatology, and we'll uh, see where it goes. Yeah. I I can't even number how many we're going to do. I I don't know. (laughs) No clue. I don't know either. It's been a while since I researched uh, on eschatology um, in depth, so I'm about to take some time every week to Mm. refresh, give a refresher. Yep. Okay. Let's just walk through Revelation. Mm -hmm. Let's just do it. Oh, we got to do Zechariah before we can do Revelation. Yeah, that's true. All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, uh, this should be interesting. (laughs) We'll see what happens. (laughs) We'll probably get more comments. I'll let you fill those, Jay. Some some guy didn't like us laughing at that ice skater. Oh, yeah. Now I'm going to laugh even harder. Yeah. I will mock that stuff until I die. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, tune in and mock unbelievers with us. I don't know. <laughs> he who sits in the heavens laughs. That's right. Look, I, I, I'm not gonna. Oh, are we in it or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't laugh at. I don't like laugh at non-believers in their unbelief. Did right? you turn the music? Off? I did. It's not over now, George. It's not over now. Just First kidding. Off, Just kidding, I have, everybody. I have compassion toward the lost, and I want to see them come to know Christ. However. When you go full send on rebellion against God, like Psalm 2, right? <laughs> yeah. He who sits in the heavens laughs, right. and I'm going to join with him yeah. in his big laugh, mm-hmm. because you can't rebel against him. Right. It's, it is futile. It's, it is inevitable that you will bend the knee to Christ. And so he laughs at their rebellion. Yeah. And some of it is absolutely ridiculous, like the ice skater. Mm-hmm. That never forget that that person robbed a woman, right? So that that man could go out there and look like a hippo on ice skates. Okay, deserves to be laughed at. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Fantasia. And now I'm thinking he, that the hippos on ice skates in Fantasia were more graceful than that guy. Well, he <clears throat> needs to uh, number one. The people who are taking advantage of him politically should be ashamed of themselves. And that's, a, that's what I was going to say. 
the issue is shame. Yeah. People don't want us laughing at them because, um, well, that's, that's, that's shaming them. They should be ashamed. Yes. This guy who's dressed like a girl taking the spot of an actual woman who has more skill than him. He's only there because he's a transgender. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You watch the video. He's only there because of how he identifies, not because of his skill. And that's wrong. And he should be ashamed. And everyone that let it happen should be ashamed. And everyone who celebrates it should be ashamed. And we're going to point out that this is a shameful thing. It is. It's shameful. It is shameful. Yeah. All right. Should we try it one more time? Is there more music? Was that a false? Was that a false? Uh, false ending? All right. This yeah. is a real one. This is a real one. We're gonna do it this okay. time. All right. Okay. Well, hopefully this was helpful for you. Hopefully uh, this gave you a little bit of a you know some information on eschatology. We're jumping off uh, into the depths of God's word with this one. Uh, so hopefully, uh, if it's helpful, that you will like, subscribe, share. Come back next week as we uh, we talk more about eschatology, and we'll uh, we'll have a good time. Uh, talking about it together. All right. Well, uh, until next week, uh, we hope you have a good weekend and God bless. Thanks for watching.